0: Thank you, Mike. That was outstanding. That was outstanding. When your pastor, Brother John, read that article (coughs) by Brother Joe Terrell, I remembered reading something along that same line. I think it was by Brother Henry Mahan. But he said, I'm afraid sometimes when we come together to worship God, we forget the guest of honor, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, God, don't allow that to happen today. And I've been blessed. What uh, what a privilege when we meet in his name, feeling our need of him. And he's promised to be in our midst. May he manifest himself to us in our hearts this day. Now, I failed to mention this last night. <clears throat> and uh, I want to correct that this morning. I failed to thank your pastor, Brother John, and his dear wife, Kathy. They treated up, they couldn't have treated us any better. Uh, John and I spoke on the phone, but we had never met until Thursday. Last Thursday when I came down the Escalator and he and Kathy were there to meet me, they treated me like I was somebody. <laughs> and I thank you. It's been a delight. It's been a delight to meet with you and to worship you, with you rather. Would you turn with me to Philippians chapter 3? Philippians chapter 3. We'll be working our way down to verses 8 and 9 in just a moment. So you just hold your Bibles open there to Philippians 3. When I was a young boy, that's been a little while. But growing up in the hills, mountains of West, West Virginia, We didn't have all these things young people have today to distract them. Devices, I think they're called. Like iPads and cell phones. We hardly had any phone at all for a long time. We played games that didn't require anything but ourselves. Hide and seek. Now that wasn't just in West Virginia, I'm sure, hide and seek. You've heard of that. I don't know that children do that anymore. But it only required yourself and your friends. The seeker would count to a designated number with their eyes covered, no peeking, while we all went and hid. And then when they reached that number, they would turn and say, Ready or not, here I come. God by the prophet Amos said this, Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, and because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Wow. That's some serious business. Prepare to meet thy God, ready or not. But here's what I want to consider to answer the question, how can a sinner like myself, like you, how can a sinner hope to meet the holy God in acceptance and peace? What hope can someone like I have? remember what God told Moses at the burning bush, or I'm sorry, it wasn't at the burning bush, when Moses asked God to show him his glory in Exodus 33. The Lord God said, Behold, there is a place by me, a place singular, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in the cleft of the rock and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. There is a place, a place where God will accept a sinner, a place where God will not refuse a sinner, a place where a sinner can can experience sweet forgiveness and pardon. A place where grace reigns in righteousness. I want to be in that place, don't you? I want to be found in that place. Oh, point me to that place. There's a place where mercy and truth are met together. Where righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Where those seemingly opposite attributes meet. And so unite in the salvation of sinners. And that place is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Nowhere else. Peace by the cross satisfies every demand of God's holy law. Was there ever an assembly of divine qualities so brought together and so illustriously displayed for man's salvation as in the person of Jesus Christ? All oh, the grace that drew salvation's plan. All oh, the love that brought it down to man. All oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. In Ephesians 1, speaking of the power of God. In verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Yes, there is a place by me, God said. Hebrews 9. For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself. Now. Now. Right now, John. To appear in the presence of God for us. Amen. For us. I'm sure Alabama doesn't have a monopoly on lawyers. I declare I think 9 out of 10 commercials on TV is about some ambulance chasing lawyer. Oh, child of God, we have an advocate, a lawyer with You talk about being well represented. Thank God we're represented in heaven by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Yes, there is a place where God has prepared to meet sinners. Christ is that one. Oh, that glorious one. Brother Rex Bartley, he uh, arranges to have fellows come and preach uh, in the church there in Danville, Grace Baptist, where Brother Don Fortner was the pastor for 40 years. He was my my pastor for 20 of those 40 years. But uh, when I'm there and I think, Just about when any other preacher is there, Rex will say as they come to preach, come up here, Larry, and brag on Jesus. (laughs) Yes. Oh, that's what I want to do. Brag on Jesus. Christ sits at the right hand of God Almighty. Glorious. Glorious. Christ alone occupies that place of sovereign majesty and absolute power. That is the only place where there is a mediator. The only mediator between God and man. That place where there is only one advocate that God Almighty will hear. Only one. Only one. Where there stands the ever living high priest that is able. I like that. He's able to say to the uttermost. To the uttermost. All, every sinner, that come un, comes under God by Him. Oh, dear dying Lamb, Thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed Church of God be saved to sin no more. Oh what a Savior in the beloved God's marvelous grace calls me to dwell in this wonderful place. God sees my Savior and then he sees me in the beloved, accepted and free. With that in mind, is is it any wonder we read these words by a sinner who's been taught of God make this his hope this his only desire. Look at verse 8 here in Philippians 3. Yea, Paul says. Yea, doubtless. And I count all things, not just the former things that he had mentioned that we'll look at, but all things, but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb, that I may win Christ and be found in him be found in him. Not having mine own righteousness, that's what he had at one time, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. The title of my message is simply Found in Him. Paul, as Saul of Tarsus, wanted to be found in anything Except Jesus of Nazareth. Saul of Tarsus hated Jesus of Nazareth. He was convinced, he had no doubts, that Jesus of Nazareth was an imposter, he was a deceiver, he was a threat to Paul's religion. And he had determined he would spend his life, his last breath, stamping out the very name and memory of Jesus of Nazareth Paul at one time wrapped himself in his robe of self righteousness he spent his whole life weaving that robe and he thought in that robe surely surely, he would be be accepted by the holy God listen to Paul he sounds so much like that other Pharisee doesn't he that one who stands away from sinners, (laughs) looks down his self-righteous nose. Can you imagine and says, I thank you, God, that I'm not like other men. That's exactly what Paul thought. Saul of Tarsus thought. Listen, look at verse 4 here in Philippians 3. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh he had worth, he might trust in the flesh. That's what works religion is. Uh, Mike and I talked about this uh, last night in the fellowship hall. Uh, call it what you will, but it all falls under the same umbrella. There's only two religions the religion of man's free will, man's merit, man's works which is nothing more nor less than trusting in the flesh. That's exactly what it is. Exactly what it is. And then there's the glorious religion of God's free grace. Hmm? God's free grace. That's where I want to be found. Though I might have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he has whereof he might trust in the flesh, remember this, Paul said. You, you, you bring what you're trusting in and compare it to what I trusted in. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Oh, but something happened that changed Paul's tune, did hmm? Tick, tick. <laughs> Tick, tick, God Almighty said, Paul, Saul, rather, you're going no further. Oh, proud rebel, self-righteous Pharisee, tick, tick, you're coming down. You're going to bow before my son. You're going to bow before King Jesus and you'll do it willingly. You'll be made willing in the day of my power. Something certainly happened to change Paul's tune, to put a new song in his mouth. Didn't he? Oh, he once hated Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth. And now he stands and says, I'm determined to know nothing save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I want to tell of nothing else. I want to hear of nothing else except Christ, my glorious Redeemer. My father used to say that to me. If I was foolish enough, and I was to uh, balk against something he told me to do Uh, he would say son I'll bet I can change your tune and he was good at it (laughs) oh he was good at it Uh, Jesus Christ in mighty grace said this concerning solid parcels he was included in those he spoke of when he said Pastor John you mentioned it in your lesson this morning All that the Father giveth me might come to me. Hmm? That's not how it reads, is it? That's not good news. Oh, listen to the voice of that one who spake like never a man spake. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast down. And oh, my soul, wonder of wonders, Saul of Tarsus was one of, the, one of those. Who would have thought it? Who would have thought it? Jesus Christ in mighty grace said concerning Saul of Tarsus, He's one of those that the Father gives me. He will come to me. Amazing grace. Brothers and sisters in Christ, as you know, the loss of one soul That God Almighty entrusted into the hands of His Son. If that one soul out of a multitude that no man can number, if that one soul should be plucked from the great shepherd's hand, if He should lose that one soul, it would tarnish His crown forever. And that just can't be. That just can't be. That's impossible. Because this blessed truth is founded in the covenant which is ordered in all things and sure. We can trust in it. We can fall down on that. (laughs) Nothing can touch that. Listen again to his powerful voice. The voice of the Son of God. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I'm going to try to bring. If they'll cooperate with me. If they'll open their heart. Again, that's the religion of fleshly free will. Oh no, the great shepherd speaks so much differently. No, listen to what he said. Them also I must bring. Could words be any plainer? Hmm? And the only person that has a problem with that. Perhaps I'm speaking to one this morning. The only person that has a, pro- a problem with God's sovereign grace is a rebel. Is a rebel. That's the only one that kicks against it. All oh, the sheep rejoice when they hear. Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. I can't hear any suggestion in those words that it won't be accomplished. Can you? Not a hint that the great shepherd will do anything less than to bring all his sheep back to the father's house. As Moses said to Pharaoh, there's not going to be a hoof left behind. There's no compromise here. No compromise. This is what happened to Saul of Tarsus. This is why he changed his tomb. He that is mighty to save came to Saul and brought him down. Just as he did to me. Just as he did to you. Just as he does to all his sheep that he calls. Oh, as the old hymn writer expressed it. Brother Moose Park sings this and I'm sure you've heard it. Hell's sovereign love that first began. The scheme to rescue fallen man. Hell matchless, free." Eternal grace that gave my soul a hiding place. Against the God who rules the sky, I fought with hand uplifted high. Despised the mention of His grace. Yes, I did. Too proud to seek a hiding place. But thus, tick, tick. (laughs) But thus the eternal counsel ran. Almighty love, arrest that man. Saul of Tarsus. Listen to Saul's tune now. A new song has been put in his mouth, even praise to God. But what things, verse 7, here in Philippians 3, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. God in his mercy, his grace, did for Saul and every, every redeemed sinner did for them what he did for Adam and Eve when he removed their fig leaves of their own making and put upon them what he himself provided. And the eyes of them both were open. We read in Genesis 3 and 7, again John dealt with this Friday evening. And they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves themselves aprons. And their children had been doing the same thing since that day. That was the work of their own hands. It was the best they could do, but God Almighty wouldn't accept it. Would it? Isn't it strange? What a strange person. Being God must be according to man's concepts of Him. Why He will accept anything. <laughs> he doesn't require much. You know, your good intentions, yeah, that'd be okay. No, not, not the God of Scripture. Not the true God. The true God of Scripture, He won't accept just anything. You know what? He's hard to please. God Almighty is hard to please. I used to again think that about my father. And not to his face, but I would think, man, He's hard to please. God Almighty is so hard to please that He won't accept anything other than absolute perfection. That's right. That's exactly right. Now you bring your decisions, your baptisms, your five points, whatever. Now you you measure it up to that. Unless it's absolutely perfect. Unless every thought you've ever had, every word you've ever spoken, every deed you've ever done, unless it's absolutely perfect, not by religious standard, but by God Almighty's standard. Unless it's absolutely perfect, God won't accept it. God won't accept it. Mm. Again in Genesis 3, we read, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and he clothed them. And like Saul of Tarsus, who once clings to that robe of self-righteousness, he throws it away. That robe of his self-righteous works His religious tradition. And did you read what Paul called that? That that he once treasured? He said it's dumb. Dumb. D-U-N. Dumb. That's how Paul looked at it now. Paul, how in the world, if you throw that away, if you throw that robe away, How do you hope to appear before God without those things? And Paul's answer is this. I found something better. (laughs) I found something so much better. It's this. Now, now, I want to be found in Him. Oh, I like those words, don't you? Found in Him. Not with my own righteousness. Oh, no but clothed in that perfect righteousness, that absolute perfect righteousness of the Son of God Himself, found in Him. Oh, and He shall come with trumpet sound. Oh, may I then in Him be found, dressed in His righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Oh, on Christ the solid rock I stand. <laughs> Let the winds, winds blow, the waters rise. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. Several of you have asked me about the, the parsonage that was flooded twice. And uh, I appreciate your prayers on our behalf. But uh, in, in a span of six or eight weeks between the first flood and the second flood, we were within probably a week or two of moving back in after the restoration from the first flood and the second came. You know what I thought? Because we weren't home either time. God didn't allow us to be there. Uh, when we walked in and saw it, I, first thing I thought, the Lord set it upon the flood. The Lord set it to King forever. It didn't take him by surprise. It overwhelmed me and my dear wife, but it didn't overwhelm God. And like your pastor talked this morning from Romans 8 and 28, I don't know how that's going to work for my good and His glory, but by faith I trust that it will. Why? How can we know? Because God said so. Amen. He doesn't say you'll figure it all out. He said you know because I said so. And God cannot lie. God cannot lie. So it must be for our good. Paul says that he now stands before God dressed in a perfect righteousness. Oh, he's now like every other sinner. Like that starving, returning prodigal in Luke 15. His father, his father who had been watching for him, had been looking down that dusty road day after day. Oh, he looked before the prodigal ever left that pig pen. And when he came home, his father took off those stinking, filthy rags That's a picture of our righteousness, our self-righteousness. And he commanded his servants to do this for that rebel. Bring forth the best robe. The best robe. And put it on who? That prodigal. That rebel. Cover his stench. Put on the best robe and put a ring reconciliation on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring forth hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. Oh, that lesson you brought the other night, John, and, and fr- Friday evening from night My, so I thought about that so much. God shall rejoice over thee with singing.
1: God's people
0: give him joy. Joy, it isn't that? That's hard to imagine, isn't it? For this my son, the father said, was dead. And he's alive again. He was lost. And he's found. And they began to make Mary the best robe. This is it. For God has made Jesus Christ to be sin for us who do no sin. That we might be made the very righteousness of God in him. Oh, no wonder, Paul says. I want to be found in Christ because that is the place of no condemnation. The only place. There is therefore now, Romans 8 and 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in the church, them who are in the water, them who are in the doctrine. Oh no, to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Believers by their virtue, their union with Him are secured. They are in Christ Jesus as in the city of refuge. So the avenger of blood can't touch them. Can't touch them. There is therefore, because we're in Christ, because we're justified from all sin, because we've been crucified with him and risen with him and are sitting now representative with him in heaven, no condemnation. Oh, blessed be God, the verdict is in. For God's people, the verdict is in. Not guilty. Not guilty. Oh, I like that. Blessed be God. No condemnation. Where there's no guilt, there can be no condemnation. His righteousness so completely is ours that we are made the righteousness of God in Him. No condemnation from all my past sins. No condemnation from my present sins. I hear people talk, religious folks usually talk this way, drunks and harlots don't, but religious folks do when they say, well, I did that when I was a sinner. I went there when I was a sinner. We are still sinners. (laughs) I'm sorry to do this. Oh, no, I'm not sorry at all. (laughs) No, let me tell you, we are still sinners. I mean, you've heard it said, and I hope it's not a mock humility, I hope it's not that wicked weed, John, that grows anywhere pride and it flourishes in pulpits. Oh, but I hope it's not a mockery when I say to you, there is enough sin committed by me this morning trying to preach this message that without Christ would do me to hell forever. There's enough pride mixed with this. You know, I mean, I can say, oh, I'm so humble, I'm so humble and proud of it. Oh, no, no, no. no. No condemnation for my present sins. And no condemnation, oh my soul, for all my future sins. Jesus Christ washed all my sins away. They're gone. They're gone. In Christ, our text declares complete absolution from guilt and freedom from all possibility from condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus because we're in Him. We who trust the Son of God are in Him and therefore, because we are, we can never be condemned. Mm -hmm. In Christ as our federal head and substitute, in Christ by a vital union, in Christ by a marriage union, I am His and He is mine. Christ is our ark. Oh, the believer is in Christ as Noah was in the ark, enclosed in the ark with the heavens darkening above him. And the water's heaving beneath him. Yet not one drop of the flood penetrated that vessel. Not a blast of the storm touched Noah. Jesus Christ is my ark. He's my ark. God's wrath fell on my ark. The Lord Jesus Christ, therefore I'm free. Now, now the text tells us. This is how old Thomas Brooks put it. Better than I can. The law cannot condemn a believer for Christ has fulfilled fulfilled the law for him. Divine justice cannot condemn him for that Christ has satisfied. His sins cannot condemn him for they are in the blood of Christ and pardoned. And his own conscience upon righteous grounds cannot condemn him because Christ that is greater than his conscience has acquitted him. Oh again, in the Beloved, how safe my retreat. In the beloved, accounted complete. Who can condemn me? In him I am free. Savior and keeper forever is he. Here's another thing To be found in Christ is to lack nothing God requires. Your pastor in the Bible class this morning already read the verses expressing that blessed thought. But of him are you in Christ Jesus, 1 Corinthians 1 and 30, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Did he leave anything out? (laughs) Sounds like we're complete. That according as it is written, let him glory in the Lord. Glory in him. In Christ Jesus, our being in Christ Jesus is altogether God's word. Only He can put us in His Son. Our saving union with Christ is not the result of something we've done. It's not the result of something we've done. We're not in Christ because we were wiser or better or made a better choice than others. No, we're in Christ because God put us in Christ. He did it before the foundation of the world. When people kick against that, and they will, and they do, I sometimes wonder, how else could God act? I mean, people here were, you mean to tell me God chose the people? Well, that's not a fair, that's not fair, that, that's it. How else could God act? I mean, does he wake up in the morning like I do with a new idea? <laughs> does he have to back up and punt? I mean, if he does something today, as Brother Mike saying, and since he is the immutable God that changes not, He must have had determined to do it before today. All the way back before the foundation of the world. That's what free grace does. It puts the crown upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It gives the glory to the one from whom we receive all the grace. And it's a glorious message, is it not? The gospel of God's salvation. Free grace. Salvation is God's word that according as it is written again, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And of course, that's taken from Jeremiah 9. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches. Let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. I don't suppose it would shock you at all. To hear this hillbilly tell you and confess, you could fill up this building writing down on paper all the things that I don't know and that I don't understand. Oh, but I know this. Mm-hmm. I know this. I know whom I have believed. Amen. I know who's able to keep me from falling and to present me faultless before the throne of God. I know my Savior the Lord Jesus Christ, and like Simon bar I only know this because flesh and blood didn't reveal it to me, but my Father, which is in heaven. God Almighty, Hmm. how in the world can I ever get over this? God forgive me that days and weeks and months can go by and I not be lost in wonder at the glorious thought that God Almighty revealed His Son to this sinner, Larry Chris. I've got two first names. Nothing distinguished about that. If I told you I'm the son of James Chris, he was a coal miner back in West Virginia, you wouldn't have a clue. Nobody ever heard of him or me. But God Almighty knew me. He knew my name. And He revealed to me Tick, 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 rebel. The day's the day. You've gone far enough. Come down, come down. And He revealed His Son in me. Hmm. Blessed, blessed grace. In the beloved, accepted am I. Risen, ascended, and seated on high. Saved from his, from all sin through His infinite grace. With the redeemed ones, afforded the place. This is the last thought. To be found in Christ is to be accepted in the beloved. Ephesians 1 and 6 to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he, that is God, hath made us accepted in the beloved. There is an everlasting, indissoluble, immutable union between the Lord Jesus Christ and his people. We're married. We're married. And what God put together. No man can put a under. to We are one with Christ. One with Christ. When Christ suffered and died under the wrath of God, we suffered and died under the wrath of God. We were one with Christ. When He was buried in the earth, we were buried in the earth. When the Son of God arose from the dead, we arose with Him, triumphant. Isn't that what we read in Ephesians 2? When He ascended into heaven, and took his place at the right hand of the majesty on high, and we ascended with him and sat down with him in his father's throne at the right, as the rightful possessions of heaven and earth. I hear people talk, and uh, strangely enough, uh, by some strange logic, they think such talk honors God, and it does the very opposite. Folks say, oh, my dear, dear grandma, All they ever heard out of her, oh, I hope I make it. I just don't know I'm going to make it. Uh, She professed to be a believer, one of the few that I was aware of. And and honestly, I think I told John this the other day, uh, uh, that was the only uh, contact I had with anybody that professed to be a Christian, and she just looked like she was sucking on lemons all the time or like her shoes were too tight. She was just miserable. And I thought to myself, but that's what being a Christian is. You can have it. You can have it. Oh, but thank God it's not so. And it's no wonder. No wonder. People who think they're working their way to heaven, they're miserable. (laughs) They, they They must be unless they're insane. They have to be miserable. Oh, but I hope on her deathbed, my mother called me to, and told, and I went by, and this was the talk of my poor grandmother. Oh, Larry. What if when I when I get before God, there's one sin that I forgot about. That, that I didn't repent of. Works, works. It's no wonder she didn't have any peace. She wasn't looking to the Prince of Peace, the only one that can give a sinner peace. Thank God He is our peace. Brother Lindsay Campbell. Your pastor said for me to ignore the clock. So if I go a little long, in your opinion, and we all got one, <laughs> you take it up with your pastor. <laughs> but I'm, uh, I'm drawing to a close. Brother Lindsey Campbell, he was a faithful, faithful man in the church that Brother Don pastored for. Uh, Brother Don Portner pastored for 40 years, and uh, a year or two after Don went to glory, Lindsey followed him. But every year, Lindsay would have his family reunion. He had several brothers, and they would come to uh, Danville, and uh, included in their reunion, they would have a golf outing. And the Campbells would take on whoever they would invite to play in the outing. And on one occasion, we were going to meet, he asked me to play, and we were going to meet at the Danville Country Club. That's a private club. I'd never been there. They don't, they don't let riffraff in. But uh, I went and was standing in the clubhouse waiting, you know, for the other people to come. And I got there early and just looking around. And this guy, I noticed, kept kind of eyeballing me. And a little bit he swallowed up to me and said, uh, Do I know you? I said, No, I don't think so. He said, Are you from around here? Well, I said, I don't go too far away. He said, Are you a member of this club? I said, No, sir, I'm not. He said, you know this is a members-only club. You, you can't play here if you're if you're not a member. About that time, Lindsay came through the back door and I said, I'm with him. Oh, it's okay then. <laughs> oh yes, Lindsay's a, if he invited you, it's all okay. Brothers and sisters, when that time comes, tick, tick, and time shall be no more. And all mankind are ushered before a thrice holy God. And the dead, small and great, stand before God. And they're being judged out of the books that are written according to their works. And the sea is giving up the dead. And death and hell deliver up the dead which is in them. And they're being judged every man according to their works. And death and hell are being cast into the lake of fire. And whosoever is not found written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. Oh, what a joy is going to be for this sinner to point to Jesus Christ and say, I'm with Him. Amen. I'm with Him. And God the Father will say, enter into the joy prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Mm. The only hope a sinner has is to be found in Him. Let me give you one more West Virginia story. And I'm done. How many other preachers come around here that have stories about West Virginia? I'm probably the first. But uh, when I was a young boy, my friends and I, we uh, caddied at a golf course. It was the only way really to make any spend of money. And in the summer after we caddied, we would go to the theater. We'd walk four or five of us. Nobody would pick up four or five people. Uh, young fellas but we go to the movies and uh, the mummy or Frankenstein, the werewolf and then we walk home after dark <laughs> and I live up a hollow we called it a holler I was preaching in Danville several years ago and I mentioned the, the hollow of West Virginia and this young fella sitting next to me after the service over lunch. And he was from California. I don't remember his name or or what part, but he asked me, he said, I enjoyed your message, but man, my soul, buddy, what's a hollow? (laughs) A hollow. I said, you don't have them in California? But anyway, we at that time lived in the last house in the hollow. The road dead ended at our house. So if we saw a car coming around the bend there, we either knew they're coming to see us or they're just lost. Uh, couldn't be any other reason. But my buddies and I would come to the mouth of the hollow. And uh, they lived over the hill in what was called the coal camp. That's where our, all our daddies worked in the coal mines. But I had to walk up that hollow by myself. Man, before I took the first step, hey Larry, don't let that world get you. Look at that full moon. He gonna get you. Watch out! I'm not afraid of no werewolf. i give him one of those. But man, just as soon as they were out of sight, and I started walking down that road, An old Red Dog Road, I was scared to death. I was scared to death. Oh, that's the werewolf. That's the werewolf. And man, there'd be a rustle in the lease and I'm laying them down I'm picking them up and laying it down and the next thing I know I'm ramming that bin that last bin in the road and there's our house and mom's got the porch light on and I go in go upstairs in the attic I had my bedroom and mom would come up and she would tuck me in (laughs) and she would take that old bedspread and throw it up and it would just come floating down around me tuck it in and I wasn't afraid anymore. I wasn't scared anymore. And that's exactly what Paul told us that in that day I want to be found in Him. Wrapped up in Him. Oh, brothers and sisters with His holy garments on we are as holy as God's own Son. And being in His Son, we have every right. God's given us a, a right to enter, to enter in through the gates into the city. Oh, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. <laughs> when I look upon the face of the one who saved me by His grace. Oh, what a day. Glorious day that will be. God bless you.